Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast on a Tuesday just after 7 o'clock. Uh, Chris Fedor, Joe Varden with you talking all things Wine and Gold We've got a bunch of questions that came in on Twitter, Joe. We'll get to those towards the end of this. But as you know, when it comes to the Cavs, you've been following this team long enough. Fans have been following this team long enough. It is always something with this basketball team. So we'll get into the latest that the Cavs are dealing with when it comes to Ty Lue's health, what that means for the Cavs moving forward, some lineup changes that they may have to make moving forward. All of that stuff is coming up, but I know that you want to take a victory lap, and I think you should right now, buddy. I mean, you can't introduce it like that. It has to be, it has to be subtle. No. Uh, you know, it doesn't you have, have to have be to subtle say, at all. You, you have to, yeah, like, come on. you gotta have, you got to have more polish with that. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, because, I, I, you know, I don't, wish to, I don't wish these issues on him, um, and I'm actually uh, a little... I don't know if surprised is the word, but but either concerned for him or or noticing that the timeline is somewhat accelerated, just this, um, the obvious uh, like kind of breaking down of Kyrie's knee. Mm-hmm. Um, it's happening now, um, and he's, he's missing games, and he's going to get a second opinion, and um, you know there's conflicting reports about uh, just how serious this is, but it goes back to just the fundamental report that I had, you know, I actually can't remember what month that was, but it was at some point this year in 2018 um, that I just, I reported that uh, Kyrie, um, in the run-up to actually being traded when the Cavs, um, you know, were going back and forth with him on it and whether or not to do it, he, you know, he basically threatened to have a minor surgery on his knee, um, Late in the off season, they're thereby like making him miss a ton of games mm-hmm. um, during the regular season as a as a reason to trade him, um, and he and that he actually does in fact need a minor surgery to uh, to clean this up. It, it all stems back from um, the devastating injury he had in Game One of the 2015 Finals and the surgery that kept him out until December of the following year, and um, you know at some point. He actually does need this procedure, and then he, um, you know, I mean, he, he wasn't like a, it wasn't like a uh, an embarrassing to me, full throated denial of, of this or anything. He just said, "Someone said, is it true?" He said, "No." Um, so there's his denial, and then they said, "Well, do you need surgery?" And he said, "That sounds like a HIPAA violation to me." Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, you know, just like we were talking off air, if you're a credible, credible reporter, you do stories that you know to be true. Um, otherwise, you don't write them. And this is a story I reported out to the to the nth degree, and um, multiple sources were ironclad on this. This, this uh, discussion that was had and this, this, the, the threat by Tyrese Camp was made, um, at some point in the, in the back and forth with the Cavs over, uh, his demand for a trade and, uh, going to the, going to the Celtics is where he ended up going. Um, and then in fact, he needed the surgery. And so now here we are, um, we're in March of, of that following year and like he's, his knees breaking down on him. So, you know, I mean, if you, if you're, into that whole idea of fake news or whatever, which is a whole other discussion that <laughs> oh. is basically bringing down our country. But <laughs> if you if you subscribe to that uh, and you wanted to, to put that label on this report, well, yeah. here you are. I mean, totally. I mean, th- th- these aren't sources. This isn't um, you know protecting people who are giving information that, that they shouldn't. This is a guy who can't play because of this knee that we reported at some point in surgery. So I think there are a couple of layers to that, Joe. First thing that that comes to mind, I was glad that you did that report when you did because um, that was during a time, if if I have it correct, that was earlier this season when the Cavs were going through hardships, right? Do I have the timeline right? Correct. Absolutely. Okay, so I think that was the time where a lot of people were like, see, see, the Cavs should not have traded Kyrie. They should have tried to make it work with Kyrie. What were they thinking? They needed to patch this up. Kobe Bryant, Shaq, they had their situation in Los Angeles, and it was all able to work itself out. And I feel like your report kind of shined a light on that relationship was going to be very, very difficult to repair, and it probably got to a point, if Kyrie got to a point where he was threatening to sit out because of that, there was no repairing it, and the Cavs' hands were basically tied at that point. Yeah, I mean... I think that that is uh, an excellent argument and and one that the Cavs felt to be true, um, and they also felt that uh, that at that time um, was when they could get the highest value for him. Gotcha. Um, and, and that was actually something that I, I didn't do a good enough job um, uh, getting through in that report because it does the, the story was very long. And it took it, it took a look at both sides of this. Right. Um, that the, the trade at the time looked pretty bad for the Cavs. Isaiah Thomas was a disaster. Jay Crowder was a disaster. The Brooklyn pick was so-so. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, Zizic was messing around in Canton. Um, and here's Kyrie and the Celtics. LeBron's furious. And so it looked real bad. But then when you take, when you peel it back and you look at, well, why did the Cavs do it? Mm-hmm. And it was, like you said, I mean, the, 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 relationship was irreparable um and i think this speaks to that like brian winhurst the espn says all the time um that you know this is a lot like hollywood if the talent says there's no movie then there's no movie right um you know if the talent says it's over it's over and and kyrie was ready to walk and that was that was it so the Cavs um felt like that was a time when they could get the highest value for him now did they uh, you know, that's still hard to say. And obviously, they have admitted that trading him for Isaiah Thomas was a mistake right. because they traded Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder, who just did not work out here. And I think that surprised a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it, it 
easy to say, oh, well, they just shouldn't have traded them. Right. Um, and, and, you know, they have had big problems, like, finding a point guard. But then again, because Kyrie's a great player, but uh, he didn't want to be here. And, I, I mean, geez, he, he actually is hurt. <laughs> um, and so, you know, if you wait and let that knee get worse, uh, I mean, it, it doesn't, or, you know, he hurts it, or he has that surgery, and then the surgery, uh, you know, diminishes his trade return, and, uh, you know, and he sat out most of the, like, all of that. Right. You know, you, like, it, it, it is, it, it's something you can, that you can say, well, um, the Cavs weren't totally insane for, uh, for, for looking at this. So I think the other layer to this is the Boston layer to it, because I think um, at some point everybody just came to the conclusion, okay, the number one seed in the East is going to be Toronto, and then Boston's going to be number two, and then where the Cavs fall is kind of up to the Cavs and how quick they can come together and whether Kevin Love can get healthy for the final couple of weeks of the regular season. So it's either going to be three, four, five, maybe even six, who knows, because it's kind of jumbled there, three through six. Um with the Celtics not having Kyrie and they don't have Marcus Smart, they're six and four in their last ten. Uh, Kyrie's probably not going to go on this road trip for the Celtics. Uh, do you think there's enough time here for the Cavs to catch the Celtics for the number two spot, or do you think that's done uh, and over with? I think it is done and over with. I mean, what is it? It's six games, I think. Six games in the loss column. Yeah, six in the win column. So six games back yeah. in the Celtics. With with twelve to go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Cavs. The Cavs have won three out of four. Um, you know, they are starting to get healthy. Uh, just as we, just before we started um, with this podcast, I, I put out there that Tristan and, and Rodney could be back against the Raptors, mm-hmm. but um, that's tough, man. I just don't. I don't think there's time there. I think. I think what the Cavs need to really be focused on is just to make sure that they play Boston in the second round. Now, that could be gotcha. either as the third seed or the sixth seed. Mm. Um, I, I don't think the Cavs are concerned about getting out of the first round regardless of who they play. Um, but they're only like two games up of the sixth seed uh, Sixers, I think. It's close. Whatever it is, it's close. And so it's, it's like reasonable that you could lose a couple more and end up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is okay. You don't want to be four or five. Okay. Um, because then you've got to play Toronto right. in the second round on the road. Your team is still very new. Mm-hmm. You have only had one playoff series together. Like you need those two playoff series to get everybody on the same page. Yeah. And then you can roll with the best of what you got plus LeBron against the Raptors. So I think you really want to look at three or six there. That's interesting that you bring that up with like all the different things that you added to that because I feel like I feel like if, if the Cavs got caught in a situation like that where they had to face the Raptors in the second round, I would be getting vibes of the Chicago Bulls from a few years ago. Remember that? Chicago was battle-tested. They had a bunch of guys that had been through the playoffs together. Uh, they were coming together at the right time. That was that was the time, Joe, that I felt like the Cavs were most vulnerable. And they probably yeah. would have lost that series if Ty Lue didn't hold David Blatt back from calling timeout. 
Yeah, and and I mean you're you're absolutely right. I think that's an excellent comparison. Um, and then the Cavs, of course, I would say rank even as even more battle tested because they're they still have four players left in the three finals, mm-hmm. um, and and two of them are all stars, and one of them is arguably the greatest player we have. Uh, so, like that makes them dangerous at any point to start. And then secondly, you know, they are particularly tough on the Raptors. Um, The the Cavs have their number in the postseason. That's something mental that the Raptors have to get over. And then, you know, this this ridiculously good bench that Toronto has put together, I mean, none of those guys are battle-tested. Nope. Um, So is Dwayne going to play them? Uh, You're going to have that deep of a rotation in the playoffs? Like, all that stuff. Are, are valid points, um, but I still, I, I the Raptors appear to be the most dangerous team, and I think if you're the Cavs, you want as much time as you can to get them. Um, but LeBron, I mean, LeBron wa- almost like wants this, like he, like he is just, you know, is, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the word. He, he like he, he is um, almost like taunting the league, like I'm going to come into this thing low. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you high. Like I'm, like, I'm going to take down your. I'm going to take down everybody in front of me. Um, yeah. So we'll see. But I, I think, like you know, if, if we're all being reasonable, I think that the best scenario for the Cavs is three to six. I agree. Um, not saying that they would lose in the first round. I don't think they can lose in the first round. I don't think LeBron would let it happen. Which team do you think would be the most dangerous as a first round matchup in terms of? making the path even tougher than maybe it has been in the past? Well, I mean, you um, you have to look at Indiana. Uh, Indiana gave them all sorts of trouble all season long. Um, the Cavs did beat them the last game, so that's, that's one thing to consider. Uh, but, but, yeah, so Indiana um, is tough, certainly. Um, I just... I, the... the the Wizards, I just don't, I don't see it. And and the Sixers, you love their players, but they're so young right. that I just, I just don't, I don't see it. So I, I think Indiana is the answer there. Which, by the way, Indiana was the answer last year. Like yeah. the, the Cavs were. I mean, and and yes, they had Paul George and the different team now. But but Indiana just played the Cavs tough. And yes, the Cavs swept them, but that was a tough year. Yeah, it was. They were down, what, 26 in one of those games against Indiana, and they had to rally from behind in the second half? Yeah, that was not a gimme. That was not a layup for them in the first round. No, not at all. Okay, so now um, Kevin Love is back. You mentioned Tristan Thompson, Rodney Hood. They could be back for Wednesday's game against the Raptors. Uh, That means there are decisions on the horizon, and um, acting head coach Larry Drew said in response to one of your questions yesterday that like these decisions that they have to make right now to get ready for the postseason and get some things set before the postseason comes, it's going to be a conversation with Ty Lu. Either they're going to text back and forth, they're going to call each other, maybe they go over Ty's house and they discuss it. However they're going to go about it, it's, it's an interesting wrinkle that it's going to be both those guys coming together to figure out what's best for the Cavs. Because Larry Drew said last night, even though Ty has stepped away, and and Ty has told Larry Drew, it's your show, 
there are decisions when it comes to the lineup that Larry Drew feels like need to be handled by Ty. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to be um, too dram- too dramatic here, but like this this isn't necessarily as easy as it sounds because okay. when you look at Ty and you look at what's going on with him, he is so sick um, and and took such poor care of his health because of the rigors of, of NBA coaching and the stress and just like basically an inability to take the medicine that would um, that, it, that he would need to take to kind of get this thing under control, um, that he was, he was basically told by Kobe Altman that it was time to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and Ty was basically left with no choice because he could see it. He, he, he was missing games, um, and, and that was disruptive. So, you know, so it had to happen, and then part of the treatment is, is that, like, he has to get right. Like, you know, I don't believe he watched the game last night um, the Milwaukee game, uh, he, I don't, he certainly wasn't planning on it. Um, he was planning on, on, you know, getting away, which is what he was told to do in terms mm-hmm. of just like, get your, get your health right. Um, and so now, um, and, and as you mentioned, uh, the show was supposed to be Larry Drew's until, until Ty's ready to come back, which isn't supposed to be long, but like these, these these players are, are going to get back before Ty does, and these decisions as to like who plays where, like they really matter. Yeah. Um. And so on the one hand, you don't want like the guy who isn't going to be the head coach making the call. Like it does need to be Ty, but he's supposed to be getting rest, and he's not supposed to be thinking about this stuff. Um. And then there's the matter of whatever Ty chooses, let's say, you know, they're on the phone right now because Tristan is going to play, even though he's questionable, like he's going to play and, and Rodney's going to play. Um, so they're on the phone right now and, uh, and, and they decide to go with whoever, uh, you know, whether it's Hood or Corver and then what do you do with Tristan? Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's not Ty who has to explain this. Um, it's, it's Larry, yeah. but it's not his call. Right. And it's not just it's not just that he has to tell us, which can be hard enough. Like he's got to tell the play. Yeah. Um. Like he, you know, he's got to deliver the news. Now, Kyle Korver is a consummate pro. Tristan's been yanked all around the place, like in the lineup. So it's not like he's not used to it. Um. But it's just. It, I hope like the listener understands now. Like it's not as easy as it sounds. It's not just pick up the phone call Ty, get the answer, turn around and do it. Like, yeah. there's there's more moving parts to it. And you know Ty well, and I know Ty well. I just don't believe that this was the decision to step away. I just don't believe that it was Ty saying, all right, I'm cool, I'll step away. You know, it feels no. like... Well, again, um, it, it, it wasn't... It, it, it wasn't like he had any other option now. Uh, like, because he had been fighting like that he had been like the doctors had been suggesting like look step away take the medicine you know like fight through the side effects like get used to it then you come back and you're better um and he said no 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 and and then he starts missing games and lebron goes on record and says yes it is affecting the team and Mm -hmm. (laughs) um Mm -hmm. like so, so there's no choice like you know, Kobe did the right thing. Like, Kobe forced the issue. You know, Larry Drew said that's what Kobe did. Um, so this isn't, again, this isn't even another, like, a case of, of sources and, and whatnot. Like, 
Larry Drew said that last night. Right. So, you know, we all know what happened, um, and it was time. It, it was time, and, and, and Ty's thought was, like, no time was the right time. Um, he didn't want to do it while they were winning. He didn't want to do it while they were losing. Right. And now it's too close to the playoffs, and they've ripped up the team, and they're trying to put it back together. And um, but, but, you know, this thing was, was going out of control in a bunch of different ways in terms of his health and what it was doing to the team. And So, you know, he's, he's just got to get right, and they got to figure out a way to make this work. Looking for them, I mean, they got LeBron. Yeah, exactly. And I know a lot of listeners um, expressed concern when it came to Ty when they heard that he had to step away and – it was chest pains and all of the stuff um, that that you wrote about um, and the stuff that, that he said in his particular statement. It gave fans a sense of like, oh my gosh, I hope this guy's okay. Just want him to get right. LeBron even said the other day, you know, health is the most important. This was something that was probably long overdue. For fans out there that are wondering about it, like this is something that he can recover from this year, correct? That seems to be the idea. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm not a doctor, and I'm not his doctor. Um, and, and you know, I, I mean, I've had several conversations with him about what's going on, so I have a fairly good idea. You know, the, the idea is that this medicine that he's on, and I don't know what it is, right? Um, but the medicine that he's on takes about a week for you to um, be okay with it. Like to where it's not like knocking you out and 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 and, uh, and all those things to where you kind of get normal with it, mm-hmm. um, and so that's kind of what you're hearing now is oh he he's thinking a week, so all right if if the if he takes five days to get used to the medicine, um, then yeah like he he joins them in Miami and and it's missed a week of games or maybe it's Charlotte that, uh, Wednesday or something. Um, but if it takes a full week for him to even feel right on the medicine, um, then you're looking at a longer time. And then there's the issue of like, I mean, it's, it's out there about him like producing blood. Whether you say cough or spit, it it depends on the day who you talk to. Um, but, but how much of an issue is that? And is that controlled by this medicine? Like, I don't know the answers to those questions. Like how much of this like stems from the fact that he had a, a crappy diet? Like, does that fix everything? Like how much of this is stress related? I don't know. So I think it is a little presumptuous on everybody's part to just emphatically state he's going to be back within a week. Cause we don't exactly know how he's going to respond to this, but I, I don't, I haven't talked to anyone who thinks that this is a like a long-term thing. But you could obviously tell throughout the course of the year, and I think fans started to notice too, like his eyes looked droopy, he didn't look like himself, he looked exhausted and worn down. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, ridiculous. I mean, and, and, and like you say, you know, I don't I don't mean to, I mean, that, that's like no offense to him. Like I, I kind of agree with what Larry was saying from the standpoint of like, he was showing the guys that he wasn't going to give up on them. Right. And so he, like, he was going to stick through it, like, through thick and thin. But in the meantime, he looked like he was in no condition to be doing this, um, just from a human standpoint. So from that perspective, I'm certainly glad he's finally, he's getting this taken care of. All right. So now we move forward and you mentioned some of the questions, uh, that the Cavs have to deal with and we'll get into those. But first we pause for a quick message. Did you know that one in six Northeast Ohioans struggle with hunger? 
Many people in Northeast Ohio are forced to make tough choices. Unexpected expenses, prescription costs, and rising heat costs are all things that can prevent people from being able to put food on the table, and they are forced to make tough decisions, which often results in hunger. But you can help. Each dollar that you donate to the Harvest for Hunger campaign will result in four meals. So donate today by visiting harvestforhunger.org. Help feed your neighbors. Cleveland.com is a sponsor of the Greater Cleveland Food Bank's Harvest for Hunger campaign. All right, welcome back. Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Chris Fedor, Joe Varden still with you as we take your questions that have come in on Twitter all afternoon. Joe, you ready to go? A bunch of these questions have come in. Well, yes, I am. And and, uh, I've read several of them, and and some of these questions are very good, and some of these people are mean. (laughs) Wait, Me? Why did they, what did they pick on you for? You're you're just learning this now. It's Twitter, of it's course. So, these people so are mean. mean. <laughs> Wait, do you have the question that was mean? Oh, I don't know. I I just uh, th- someone's calling you Bayless and yeah. Well, that's that's not welcome to my life, Joe. You know, did, <laughs> did, did, the same guy. The same guy has. Uh, Theodore plus Varden equals uh, hard pass, uh, like a hard pass meme. So, so now I'm being drugged into this. Yes, uh. guilty by association. But you know, they said yeah. it about Batman. The only reason Batman was chased over and over and over again is because he could handle it. So I feel <laughs> I feel like I've been blessed with broad shoulders because I can handle the criticism that comes my way, and I can do it with a smile. You do it with aplomb, as we say. <laughs> All right. Um, so the first question, and you're right, some of these are mean. And you know how I know that some of these are mean? Because four replies to the, the tweet that I sent out asking for questions, this tweet is not available because you've muted the person who sent it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. So, so if you sent your question and we don't answer it on this podcast... Chances are it's because I muted you, and chances are I muted you because you took it a little bit too far with your criticism. <laughs> All right, here we go. Great, that's great. Stuff. Richard, I can actually see his question. Uh, he wants to know about Browns. You want to talk some Browns on the Wanting Gold Talk podcast? I know you've got Browns opinions, right? You know, I just, first of all, yes, I will. And then secondly, I, I heard you at the outset talk about like, you, you introduced this as the Wine and Gold podcast. If someone would have, like, come up to me on the street and grabbed me by the arm and said, what is the name of your podcast with Fedor? I, I would have drawn a blank. <laughs> I, I mean, Wine and Gold is not something I would have called it, uh, <laughs> but I don't know what I would have called it. I, you know what I probably would have said? I probably would have said, oh, it's the Hey You Guys podcast. There you go. I like that. That'd be better. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's more, it's more us. You know? Yeah, but it's all about branding. You know how that goes. We don't get a say in I, that. Well, so I guess the point is, I didn't know what our podcast was called, and now I do. By the way, we should have just gone with the Chris and Joe podcast, because I was taught when I was in radio full-time, and I did that for about seven and a half years full-time. I remember I met with a radio consultant, and I was doing a show at the time. I think it was called ESPN Cleveland Game Night. And he was like, Chris, why is that the name of your show? And I was like, I don't know. I don't pick those things. 
He's like, you should not name your show anything other than your name because your name is your brand and you want people to recognize your brand and your name rather than just some random name of a show or something. And I was like, wow, I never really thought about it that way. So we should really just call it the Chris and Joe podcast. That, that would be fine, too. Or the Joe and Chris, that's... if you want to be first on the marquee, that's fine, too. No, because, I mean, I, I we've gone over this, I think, in past episodes. I, I have no interest in that. This is a, this is a partnership. All right. Um, Browns, how much of a gap is there between Saquon Barkley and the other running backs would you take Saquon Barkley, Joe, with either the first or fourth overall pick if he's there? Well, yeah, I, I, I would. I, I think that they've addressed. Um, I, I feel like on the one hand, they have addressed the defense. Uh, they've done it through free agency. Um, they made some. They've made some picks there. I mean, they still have Pepper. I, I don't think that they're going to move on from him. Um, uh, and then, uh, you know, they have. They have. So I feel like so many top picks on the defensive side of the ball, you know, top half of the first round there, and it hasn't worked out. And none of these guys were involved in that, I understand. But, mm-hmm. you know, the the organization has done that. Here you have a guy who is supposedly like one of the few running backs that you can count on as a game changer in the NFL. Um, I, I think I would do that. All right, next question from just... Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh-oh. What's your answer? What? What's your answer? Oh, boy. No. Um, I think, man, I know what you're saying, and I understand the value of Saquon Barkley, and I understand that the Browns need touchdowns and offense. I just think in the NFL, bud, you have to assign value to certain positions. And using the fourth overall pick in the draft on a running back... To me, that's a luxury that the Browns simply do not have. And for me, I would rather them take a pass rusher in Bradley Chubb at number four because I think he's going to have more of an impact on the defense, or I would rather them use the fourth overall pick on like a cornerback in Denzel Ward because it's it's about quarterback, dudes that can protect the quarterback, dudes that can get after the quarterback, and dudes that can bat down passes from the quarterback. So if one of those guys is available at four, and they are worth the fourth overall pick, and I think Denzel Ward and Bradley Chubb both are, then I can't ignore the value of those guys compared to Saquon Barkley. Plus, I think this is a deep running back class, and the guy that the Browns could get with the first pick of the second round, like I think that guy, he's not going to be as good as Saquon Barkley, but I think that guy can have a similar impact on the offense as him. So I'd pass okay. on Saquon. I, I I think that's fair. I mean, I, I um, you know, I think I, I've been very critical of most of the Browns drafts. We've mm-hmm. had this out, uh, but Miles Garrett was a hit. Yes, and and um, you know, you put somebody else over there on the other side oh. and have both of those those guys chasing people around. Like, I get it. So, all right, all right, I'm with you. I'm, think, you've you've switched. You've flipped. Think Good. about this potential defensive line, Miles Garrett. And, and this isn't going to be every single down, but in certain situations, it can be <sighs> Miles Garrett, Emmanuel Agba, who was having a great season for the Browns before he got hurt, Larry Ogunjobi, and Bradley Chubb. Like, that is intimidating for any team that has to go against that. Whew. Yeah, I mean, you need... All right, 
I can see it. And then, you know, they did, they got Carlos Hyde too, who yeah, I love. Right. Um, I, and, and, uh, and so you, you got him and you got Duke Johnson right. and you've got, um, whoever with the first pick in the second round there. So, all right. Okay. I'm, I'm on board. You from, got me. from just asking, uh, how can the Cavs get George Hill to play better? I'm concerned about this. Um, I, I really am. You know, uh, and and I haven't I haven't like done a, a deep dive into the numbers in mm-hmm. terms of how he's how he's doing defensively. Um, what kind of impact is he having on the defensive side? Because overall, the defensive numbers haven't been good um, for a while. Uh, you know, the, the Cavs are back to giving up a bunch of points a game. Um, the, the the road trip just wasn't very good from a defensive standpoint, right. and so. Um, and then I look at what he's giving them offensively, and he, again, just didn't have a good road trip. Um, and to be shut out uh, against the Bucks is just it's concerning to me. Um, I, I feel like they, I, they need him. They, they need him to be able to give them 10 points and to make life hard for the opposing point guard. Now, maybe he is. Maybe he is playing good defense there, and the breakdowns have been because there's other, there's injuries and whatever. Um, but, but they need that. Uh, and if they can't get that from him, you know, you've written about it, I've written about it and discussed it a little. Um, <laughs> like, using Jose Calderon's name now is not out of the... is not ridiculous. I know, I know. Uh, uh, and, and I don't, like... I think the Cavs are better off if George Hill is good enough to make this a ridiculous conversation. Right. Um, but I don't know that it's gone that way mm. uh, so far. And in the meantime, as I've written, the Cavs are 21-10 and 10 when Jose plays at all, like 10 minutes or more. And they're 18-8 and eight when mm. he starts. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that's just like the best records on the team, like the best like winning percentages on the team. There's something about the way he makes the trains just run on time. I don't know how he would do against the Kyle Lowry and against the healthy Kyrie, if Kyrie can get to that point. Um, you know, even Darren Carlson has kind of given him a hard time right. with the, the Pacers. So I, I don't know, you know, when you're playing a playoff caliber guard, and maybe that's why they don't want to do this. All I know is the Cavs have played their best basketball this season when Jose Calderon is the point guard. Um, and I and the answer to this question is, however they figure this out, they need George Hill to be better than Jose. That's what that's what needs to happen. I agree with that. Um, I thought it was very very interesting um, in the win against Milwaukee. Larry Drew's first game as as acting head coach um, since that announcement came down, anyway, and he closed the game with George Hill on the bench. <laughs> Now, George was bad last night, really bad. He had zero points. Um, but I thought for, for Larry Drew to step in there and close the game with Jordan Clarkson, LeBron James, Kyle Korver, Kevin Love, and Jeff Green, um, I could see that being more consistent as this season goes on and into the playoffs. And I think the Cavs can get away with that, Joe, because they can just have LeBron run the offense from the point forward spot. Um, and that's one of the luxuries of having LeBron, that you don't need a guy like George Hill to run the offense. Now, if he was better defensively than Jordan Clarkson, maybe those guys are interchangeable. But I thought it was pretty interesting that Jordan Clarkson was in that finishing group against Milwaukee. Well, 
Jordan, um, initially they really liked how he was defending and getting through screens. Um, but the thing that has been consistent is, is that he's not afraid to shoot and to score in, yep. in the fourth quarter. And, you know, he's had some big buckets in these wins. Um, you know, he, he, he certainly had one against the Bulls. Um, and he's, he just continues to put up numbers there. I, I feel like Jordan has some work to do to kind of unlock the next, like, level for him. Um, and, and I, I hope, I hope he does that. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, that's an interesting closing group with him and LeBron and Korver. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, do you go defense with Larry and Tristan? Do you go offense with Kevin? You kind of split them with Kevin and Larry or Kevin. It's just, it's, there's some intriguing possibilities there. Okay, moving on. This one comes from Kevin. He says, does Kyle Korver continue to start over Rodney Hood? Boy, that's a big one. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So, like, if you go go back through and you look at most of the nights where they've had problems, um, like the glaring, just looking at the stat sheet and getting smacked in the face is how badly they get outscored in the backcourt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now you've got Corver, who in his last four games is averaging 16 points. And he's shooting 60% from the field and like 65% from three point range, like just outrageously stupid numbers. Um, and of course, what does that mean? Well, he's starting, so he's playing alongside LeBron. Right. Um, and so now you've solved one of those slots. Like one of the guards is, isn't going to score more than 16 against you, uh, on most nights. So, so you've at least closed the gap. Um, if I'm going to play Rodney Hood over Kyle right now, I'm sorry. Like Rodney's going to have to show me that he can do that. Right. Um, and he hasn't. He's he his his numbers are way down from Utah. Um, both points per game and shooting percentage, like it's it's a small sample size of like ten or eleven games, but he's shooting a career low, uh-huh. uh, 40 percent, um, and nine point eight points is, is way down there. So. Um, you know, Hood is more athletic. He can be a better defender. I do have concerns with Korver and Love in the same lineup defensively. Um, defensively. Yeah. But I, I can't have these disparities um, on the stat sheet in the backcourt. And Kyle's taking care of one of those spots for me. I think it's also interesting. If you have LeBron, Kyle Korver, and Kevin Love on the court at the same time, I think that's the best offensive trio that the Cavs can come up with. And I think it's the smartest trio that they can come up with. And I think you see their basketball IQ. They play well off of each other because they know what each other is thinking. And I just think if if the goal is the Cavs trying to beat these teams offensively, and that used to be the goal because they knew that they had defensive limitations, um, playing Kevin, Kyle, and LeBron together as much as possible I think makes the Cavs an elite offense. Yeah, and you know what? And and, and <laughs> they've proven beyond a shadow they are not. There's nothing they can do to be an elite defense. Right. They can't do it. They've tried so, everything at this point. <laughs> everything. Um, and so <laughs> if they can, if they can be elite on the other side, yeah. Oh, well, okay. You know <laughs> that that gives you something. So um, yeah. So may I don't know. Maybe Corbett is the answer. I know they're thinking about it. 
Two more before we get out of here. Jordan says, will Ante Zizic end up being the best piece from the Kyrie Irving trade? Um, I, I, I don't... I, I think that their draft pick is looking really good Yes. Uh, right right now, yeah. and, and I think they're going to be able to pick high enough to get somebody who's got a chance to be really good. This is like kind of a, a, a really unique draft class. I mean, I don't want to say something silly like it's it's like LeBron's draft class, the 03 class, but th- it's really deep, and there's yes. some names that are flying off the page at you. So, um, so, so the hope I would say is no, that he's the second best piece. But boy, he's been a surprise. Um, he 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 really moves for a big guy. He gets it going to the lane, and he tries his his, uh, his tail off defensively. So, mm-hmm. um, he's it's been fun to watch him. So that brings us into the final question. When Tristan Thompson comes back, what happens to Ante? And is it imperative, Taj wants to know, that the Cavs settle on a nine-man rotation soon, or do you think the team can continue to play 10 or 11 deep into the playoffs because some of these other guys have stepped up and show that they deserve minutes? Well, I think the Cavs' like, kind of timeline is just delayed. It, just, it has to be. And like, some of this question is like a summary of everything we've been talking about for the sure. last 50 minutes. Sure. Um, basically, like, the Cavs need more time. They're going to have to win that first-round series, like, with LeBron and just kind of figuring it out. Um, and so they might play 10 guys in that series. They might play 11. Um, you need to get that tight by the time you get into the second and third rounds against the teams that are really good. Mm-hmm. Um so they got time. They have a little bit of time there to figure that out. Right now, it's crucial that they start that process. They need to get these guys back healthy, and that's why it's awkward that Ty's gone. Because when the players come back healthy, someone needs to make that call, and it should be the guy who's really in charge. So that makes it weird. Um, in my gut, I believe I, I think Larry was speaking a little bit out of turn there. Got a little bit upfield. Um, Tristan Thompson is a three-time final starter. Mm-hmm. Um, he is just—he is tested up and down when it comes to the playoffs and like the heat of the, of the moment. Zizic is a rookie who's just learning this country. Um, you know, still learning the language. Like I, he looks great. I, I, I think he has an upside. I, I, I would be shocked if if he immediately gets the call over Tristan. I think it's Tristan's job to lose. All right, good stuff. Should be really, really interesting Wednesday, Toronto. Joe, I think Toronto is the best team that LeBron is going to see in the Eastern Conference playoffs in the last seven, eight years. So I am fascinated to see how the Cavs match up against the Raptors tomorrow at home now that Kevin Love is back. And I know they have other pieces that are still not fully integrated and not 100% healthy. But this is one that I've been looking forward to for quite some time. should be interesting. Oh, absolutely. And they play them again in like another week or two. So, yep. um, uh, yeah, those will be fun games for sure. All right, good stuff, buddy. We'll talk soon. Okay, man.